Hello everybody, Mariner here and welcome to Nevat Hall and the Game Week 4 review show. Um, as always, joined with uh, my good friends, uh, Gabriel, FPL Lens, and Lucian, FPL underscore teacher. This is underscore teacher, I think it is. Well, but we have another announcement really, because first of all, it's Lucian's birthday today. In fact, it's just this second, actually, nine minutes ago. Turn 35. Happy birthday to you, sir. Thanks so much. I I feel so much older. Really, it's it's the kids. <laughs> it really is the kids. I don't know how you do it, man. I, I, no, you guys really have done not, not as old as me. Oh, mm. Not as old as me. Gabe's older. I think Gabe's middle one. Says, are you the young pup out of us three? I think you are. Yeah. You know, I can only imagine what you guys have been through. So uh, I'm just, yeah. I'm just grateful to be here with you guys and you know at least we have three dads doing a show, review show you know at whatever time at night or morning absolutely or in various parts of the world yes uh right anyway without further ado we need to get cracking don't we so uh let's dive in and first of all i'll give you some stats and then what i'll do is i'll bring you all in just say how was your game week if you can actually remember it but first things first boys three hat tricks Haaland, Son and Ferguson. 20 points, 20 points and 17 points. Alvarez, 14. Edouard, the Crystal Palace talisman, possibly 13 points. Trent Alexander-Arnold, fresh from being sold by most people, decides to have a haul, which is typical. Mind you, he was playing blind skill. He was playing Aston Villa, more of that later. Uh, Archer, 12 points. Fresh from Mariner transferring him out of his team. Wonderful. Billy Gilmore, 11. Voldemort, 11. Those who know, I'm not going to mention his name and I'm not going to tell you why. If you don't, you can work it out for yourself. Meow. Um, Declan Rice, 10 points. Um, Sobers like 10. Solomon from Spurs, 10 as well. And Neto, that's all. Neto, Neto'd, that's all. 10 points. There we go. How was your game weeks, boys? Because mine was distinctly average. I mean, isn't it everyone else's game week? Everyone pretty much had the same players anyway. No no differentials really performed unless you got Son in early. So it's either you had a big jump or you did nothing. Yeah, I'll tell you what I noticed here, Gabe, is just the fact that there was not that many players who were hauled. They were just hauling. The three of them just hauled big. You know what I mean? Um, it was a funny sort of week. What do you think? You're mute. Oh, you've disappeared. You've, your sound's gone now. How, how am I there back? There you are. You're back. Yes, you are. Just trying trying to trying to avoid the the crackle this morning. Um, I think I had Archer first bench with 12 points this game week, just as I had Yudogi last game week first bench. Um, yeah. Well, so, do you know what? It serves you right for being a bad FPL manager and having your points oh, on the bench. And you not getting the benefit, or even half of them. We had this conversation last time. I wouldn't have been on the show if you'd have got 12 points for Archer. I'd have quit. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be fair, I think. That would be fair. <laughs> I literally would have quit. Honestly, I promise you. I was ready. I was. I, I nearly lost it. I nearly lost it. And then I realized, <laughs> who was it who came off the bench for you to, to, to block it? Not off oh, the bench. Who was it? Who 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 started to stop to uh, to stop your points? All the regular guys. That All of start. them, right? So you you weren't yeah, even close just, then. Nah, it's, I mean first bench, just first bench because whatever. Yes. Yeah. 
first bench is the same as third bench. <laughs> yeah, and then and there you go. Look who we've got on the on the screen for you, Gabe Hung Min Son. Uh, you're one of your favourite players. We'll have a discussion about him tomorrow. Uh, and yeah, yes, well. game week four review. But let's get into it in more details. And we want to be un- we want to be underway by five minutes, so we will be. Let's start with the Friday night clash in someone's back gap. Sorry. Uh, at Kenilworth Road. In fact, you have to go through someone's house to get into the away end, as, you, as you, some people may know. 2-1 to loot. Uh, no, sorry, to, to West Ham, I should say. Um, Lucian, the, the numbers itself suggested quite a tight game. Um, my fixture difficulty liked West Ham a lot more. But, I mean, in the end, the cream came to the top. But... Could have been a bit different. What's your perspective? Well, I mean, time is the exact correct word if the game ended at half-time. There was literally no difference in XG between both sides at half-time, I believe, if you subscribe to FODMOB. Um, but yeah, uh, the slide said last week in Gabriel's thread that uh, home performances are likely to deliver from uh, for Luton, at least. And they did a small tweak that we did not expect. They swapped um, Barkley and Chong's positioning so um, in that sense, now at least we know that at home, Luton attacked entirely down that left flank. And I think this brings about the conversation of their double game week in game week seven, right? So if really you are looking at Carlton Morris, he is purely somebody that just sets up other strikers. If you want a goal scorer, you either get Ross Barkley, who gets into the box late, or you get Adibayo, who's actually somebody that usually Morris would feed. But beyond that, yeah, um, water's wet. You know, Luton are still a bad side. And as you said, the cream came to the top. And this time round, the weakness lied in Amari Bell on the outside centre-to-back position. Uh, you know, it's the kind of thing where if you aren't a Premier League defender, you wouldn't notice Premier League attackers coming in from behind you. And it was as simple as that for Bowen's goal, really. I mean, West Ham is not a side that will repeatedly attack you after they take the lead. You know, so the numbers will definitely not show up despite West having getting most of possession. But that's about it, really. I think the only the real takeaway here is that JWP is very, very good. Those corners keep coming. Those outswingers keep finding the centre-backs. And you just can't underestimate JWP's new, more attacking position now that Edson Alvarez is also in the side. I don't disagree. Just some numbers. Luton won 3-2 on big chances. And... 1.22 against 1.19 on XG. Gabe, you played, did a little bird told me you started Kabore. I did start Kabore. Why? When you compare the options, there wasn't any options that, that, that really stood out. So why not go for the you know the the first home fixture and like an, an, an emotional game? He does get forward. There was just like not much differentiating them, so I thought the risk was quite low. <laughs> well, I think interesting though, um, as what what Lucian says. Um, double game week. There's already been the usual caveats of oh these players are really good, but it's Luton, uh, and I think that's. That's the key here. I think Luton are better at home than they will be away. Lucian's gone for a walk now. What's going on? 
This is very strange. Uh, we've, got, we've got someone moving room mid-show. I think that's the first time we've ever done that. Anyway, let's keep going, shall we? Uh, I don't know anymore. Sheffield United against Everton, boys. 2-2. Um, I really enjoyed that game. I, I watched this game uh, and uh, I, I did chortle an awful lot when uh, Pickford scored his, scored his own goal. <laughs> it was written in the stars. It, totally written in the stars for any Pickford owners. I, I was howling with laughter. But then, I think was it three saves in about 10 seconds, right at the very end of the game, something mental. Um, the numbers, boys, as, as we said, it was... Um, it liked Everton. NetXG liked Everton a bit more than Sheffield United. Uh, the fixture difficulty really liked Everton much, much more than Sheffield United, but did not like either defence, and that was actually borne out. Um, also liked Everton's centre and right. Lucian, how did this one go in your eyes? Well, Chris, I just want to ask first and foremost, were you, did you feel bored off for this game? Or did you have bored off for this game? I don't have bother. I got any Sheffield United players. Why on earth would I want any Sheffield United oh, players? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, Everton was so so bad, right? I mean, these past few weeks, it wouldn't be surprising if Bordeaux did get something because, I mean, it was true. Uh, Sheffield United repeatedly attacked down that right side. Now that they know that Gustavo Hammer is doing pretty well on that right side, I I think the unfortunate thing here was that Cameron Archer actually utilized the selfless trait of Ollie McBurney in the box. I think that was something that we didn't consider. Now, you know, but that they both, they dropped both strikers in favor of Archer and McBurney. This is something definitely to consider as Sheffield United's new strategy. But um, yeah, Sheffield United themselves continue to whack down that right-hand side. So the question comes down to whether Everton's left could utilize that aggressiveness because according to the slide, Aggressive wingbacks means that Danjuma shines on the left side. I think we were expecting Danjuma to play number nine, but they made that last-minute signing, right, before transfer deadline day, on transfer deadline day. Uh, Beto came in and he played the number nine instead. So Danjuma profited off the left side, taking advantage of Sheffield United's right. I think right now, uh, we just have to stick to the obvious things, pick players that stand out, and yeah, just consider that one player either Danjuma, because Beto is a very selfless striker, or yeah, Baldock slash Archer, whoever that plays on the right side, if if you ever want to consider Sheffield United attack. But, you know, that's slim pickings at the moment, really. Gabe, seven big chances in this one. We didn't see that coming. No, I didn't. I didn't see the score coming. I didn't see the big chances coming. I didn't see the openness coming. <laughs> I thought it would be all super compact and really constipated. Like that, I think is the word of the season. Um, so totally, you, you didn't totally see the clean around, sheet. You, you didn't see the Everton clean sheet, though. Surely there wasn't. That was no, never no, that, no. We, no, I don't think we'll ever predict that this season. Everton clean sheet. Um, but but it's you know these games are fun like they, these 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 games when they open up can be a lot of fun like you were saying Mariner so um, so yeah yeah I think I think I mostly was pretty far off on this one and and delighted to be so because it turned into an entertaining one. It's interesting it to, to it see. I, I will be interested. I will be interested to see like Lucien mentioned how selfless a striker uh, Beto is. 
And I think that that is super important. And I want I want to see his influence on Danjuma, as uh, Lucien mentioned. But I want to see Beto's influence also on Dukure. Um, and I'll and I'll be I'll be looking for kind of like Dukure and Danjuma matchups for Everton. Alrighty. So Brentford against Bournemouth. Well, another one with goals as it happened. Um, your NetXG, Geb, thought one point six five for Brentford, but didn't like Bournemouth that much. My fixture difficulty liked Bournemouth attack. Oh, sorry, Brentford attack and defence didn't like Bournemouth that much. As it happens, Bournemouth have really picked up, particularly away from home. Lucian, um, quite noticeable. Um, the fixture difficulty away, I think, was it attack wise? Actually, has Bournemouth quite quite favourable. I'll find that in a second. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let you know I'll I'll look up that whilst I release you to, to talk about this one. You there? You mute? No 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 I'm good. Sorry. <laughs> yeah okay. So yes uh Bournemouth unfortunately uh gave the ball away a lot. I mean right now the only thing we know about Bournemouth is their counter-press, right? Because they've been exposed by Spurs, they've been exposed by multiple other sides, such as Liverpool, but they press pretty well themselves. Um, when you go up against Brentford, I think now we have to realize that <laughs> you're not going to get a typical match out of Brentford because you're going to be tested in corners, you're going to be tested on free kicks, throw-ins. Like, it's literally a completely different match. So I'm going to go to what the slides say, right? At least from Brentford's perspective, because we're more concerned about that. Crowding the box, Mbomo and Wisa, yes. Did they get chances? Yes. I think the one thing that the slide missed out on was that in transition, we wrote that Wisa would be the star, but instead it was actually Shada that did a lot better. Notably because Brentford somehow actually can play one-touch passing in the box themselves. <laughs> um, a little note on Solanke as well, because some of us, you know, you either love him or you don't, right? Um, the long ball thing, not necessarily a good thing, because literally everyone else is running around Solanke. Solanke just hucks his butt in the box, waiting for chances, but everyone else is doing the hard running around him, be it Christie, Billing, Clivert, uh, whoever that plays on the right, you know, Brooks, whatever it is, Semenyo, Everyone does the running and Solanke just decides whether he wants to put a toe in to like, you know, nip in a shot on target himself. And that just suddenly counts as a big chance. It was crazy because I think there was this one chance in the first half where like this one player, I think Clivert beat like four players. And then um, Solanke just did a toe poke and that counted as a big chance. And you're just like, the hell, man. Like that was so, that was Clivert's goal written all over it. That was mad. Um... But yes, that, that is Bournemouth in a nutshell at the moment. Still a little bit dysfunctional, but very easy to attack. We love attacking Bournemouth, simple as that. Hey, Solanke, 39% involvement, predicted three involvements in the next five games. Um, fifth on my predictions going forwards. And Bumo as well, Mr. Persistent, managed to get a return out of him late. It was late. But the talisman keeps scoring for these teams or keep getting the involvements. I, I, you know, I, every, people are saying Mbomo is one of the best midfielders to have in the game. And, and it's hard to argue against that. But he doesn't feel good 
for me. I it's agree. always this late return. Like when I don't have them, it doesn't feel good because he keeps getting these late returns. And when I have yeah. them, it doesn't feel good because it's his late return. As an owner, you're absolutely right. I I absolutely hate him. Yeah, I hate it him. Sucks. But, it sucks. But he gets the returns. <laughs> He does. He does. And and similarly, I I, const, I constantly just expect Solanke to re- keep returning. Just just the the, the way Bournemouth play. I th- I thought Bournemouth would be like this. Um, I w- would play more like this at, at home. But but it's been it's been a way I think that they've been more open. Um, mm-hmm. And and Wissa, w- w- one thing that we got wrong or, or I got wrong in the slide in, in this one, I really thought Wissa would be pushing the line and be that quick outlet. Um, but Wissa almost like dropped into the left in, in this game and, and that, and almost created space for Shada. Shada actually went in towards the penalty spot a few times from that left-hand side. So, um, that dynamic was, was new for me. I, I, and, uh, I, I wonder if that'll continue because Shada, Shada does have more of the, um, body type of Tony, like in the box versus, versus Wissa trying to, trying to penetrate the lines. And if they're playing Wissa deep, then, then his best strengths are just kind of nullified. We did mention Shada or Shada or Shada or whatever you want to call him in preseason has been <laughs> possibly an option, possibly an option for, uh, that cheap, uh, that cheap spot. And, uh, yeah, he seems to be. Just going back to Solanke, the problem we've got with Solanke is that he might have 67% involvement, but really um, Bournemouth's predicted X or XG matchup for the next five weeks is only about five or five and a bit So in total. Mm. So there's your, there's your problem. But yes, he keeps returning. Um, mm-hmm. I think Bournemouth will. I, I think they've only got one way. We've spotted this already. They've only got one way of playing. It's just attack, um, which is great to watch, but not great. If you <laughs> if you haven't got the assets who they're playing against, um, but anyway, um, let's keep going and on to the next one. Well, I never saw this coming. I have to say, Burnley, Gabe, are you having a rant? Are you going to have a rant today? I, I think this is possibly where your rant might come from. I'm going to just go through this first, though. Uh, obviously, we've got the numbers up from the old fix, from the old uh, slide. I forgot to change those. That's one thing which did happen this week, <laughs> is that we made a mistake last time, and I've forgotten what happened. So let's just talk about the game itself. Um, Patrick for Son. Madison, as a non-owner, again, another return. Son through the middle. But Burnley, my God, defensively, they simply capitulated. Um, and it was very unpleasant viewing owning no um, Spurs players or only having Adogi on the bench for me. Uh, Lucian, I'll come to you and then I'm going to let Gabe go because I think I know what's... I've got a funny feeling I know what's coming here. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> oh, really? Come on, Lucian. Well, um, I think a pretty big theme of this match was Burnley giving away the ball a lot. They did not stick to their usual 3-5-2 or 4-3-3 or whatever system it is they used. Um, instead, they went with a usual, simple, flat 4-4-2. Um, the issue here was that they're playing centre-backs in weird positions. I think one of their usual centre-backs was playing right-back, Al-Dakil. And basically, it fell foul to a lot of Spurs' pressing traps. Like We keep thinking that Burnley and the promoted sides would be pressing other teams really hard. But we always forget that other teams can also press the promoted teams very hard as well. So that is where the promoted sides are, you know, having 
growing pains in the Premier League. And this will probably take three to four weeks before they actually sort out whether they want to go long or whether they actually can be used to the pace of the Premier League itself. Um, but really, the focus of this is around Spurs because Burnley are an easy team to target. Spurs, however, everything, I wouldn't say is flowing through medicine, but this game basically put Papa Matangsa under the spotlight. That guy is replicating the Harry Kane runs. Like, I think he only had one return this game, but he is almost certainly somebody that can be a really good fifth midfielder if everyone's if anyone's looking at like not enough budget for Spurs players. Of course, everyone's looking at Son now. But you know, eventually when people realize that Son cannot sustain his finishes, yeah. Um Quick note on Son being the number nine, because there was no mention of that in the slides. Um, I think there were a couple of people that noted that Son himself was relatively quiet. And I mean, his finishes are exactly what you expect of him. You know, two-footed, somehow going from central all the way out diagonally somewhere to the left or the right. And that's what Son is. He takes a really difficult chance and he scores it. <laughs> There's nothing new there. So I think that should be the lead of Gabe's Reds because really there's not much else, at least of note, tactically as of now. Because, yeah, everyone runs around Sun and that's about it. <laughs> I don't think he's ranted about Sun. I thought he might rant about Burnley. Um, I'm just going to give you a couple of stats, Gabe, and then I'm going to let you go on this one. 37 shots in the game. 37. 21 by Spurs. 16 by Burnley. Burnley had 16 shots for 1.38 XG. Low, low XG, low XG shots by the looks of things. And um, what was your view on this one? Um, I mean, did you see the Sun hat trick coming? Um, and did you have you got any view on just how bad Burnley were? Because I thought they were awful watching them. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously I didn't see the the hat trick coming, um, and I didn't know he'd play the nine. That's all. That was always a possibility, but I, you know, there was no way to know that. But I, but I did top him in the in the in the thread. I put him at the top of the list because I thought he had the the most potential in this one, just because of the Burnley style of play. Um, Burnley's going to do what what Burnley does, and they're gonna they're gonna push high up. They're gonna press in midfield. They're gonna send defenders up and in, in, into different areas as well. And and Sun is kind of like prime to take advantage of that now the the one thing i'll say is like in, in this one i i didn't find that sun took converted difficult chances i think the the most difficult or the, the lowest xg on his chances was 0.19 um and the the post shot xg was was significantly higher in, in all three of the goals and that's that's certainly what what sun does but i thought sun took good chances and 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 converted them now moving forward i um yeah, I mean, we'll we'll talk about the matchups tomorrow. But I, I, I my my eyes are firmly on. Uh, I, I'm I'm intrigued by Sar and and Sar's role in this team, and I'm uh, likely kind of going to kind of like focus on that in, in the analysis for tomorrow. Okay, cool, 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 cool. All right then. Well, let's keep going. Um, we'll take more questions on on what's happening going for the future um, tomorrow, as we say. Let's keep going on this one. We go to Chelsea against Nottingham Forest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I, as a double Chelsea defender owner, I was absolutely livid. But do you know what? As a Forest fan, I was delighted. As a closet Forest fan, I was absolutely delighted with this. We didn't see this coming, Gabe. 
not in a million years. But you know what? <laughs> Forest are a different. Forest are a different beast this year, and Chelsea are not different at this moment in time. Now, I think what we are seeing again, maybe was the Luton factor. Perhaps the only reason Chelsea looked so good is because they were playing Luton. Lucien, over to you. Well, to be fair, Chris, um, Sterling did Sterling things. Chilwell did Chilwell things. And Jackson did Jackson things, picking up his yellow card and what? his big chance missed. And, and missing know. things, yes. yes yeah, as usual, yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I think this all signals to the fact that Chelsea own it to themselves to finish their own chances. I mean, even early on before the Forest goal, right? Um, Sterling went down the flank multiple times and he had a big chance created for Chilwell. Um, the big chances are all there for people to see. And the big conclusion here is that Chelsea, no matter what system they play, no matter which zone Enzo Fernandez ends up in, all depend on each individual player's finishing. You have to finish your chances. It's as simple as that. So if you buy Sterling... His confidence is still there. He can still beat people. He can still create chances. And it's just about who finishes. So I think in that sense, owning Chelsea players is the right decision. That would that would be what content creators would say. <laughs> um, but other than that, I mean, it just comes down to how patient you are with these players, right? Because I'm sure there are multiple players that are potential <laughs> fires in our squads as well. Um, I'm, not, I'm not very yeah. patient at all between me and you. But anyway, there's another thing. My patience is gone, completely gone on this one. But yes, there's <laughs> me chuckling and interrupting you. Let you go again. Anything else? Or, or, or shall I just bring you in game? Um, just, you know, just a quick you know, note. Yeah, just, sorry, sorry. Just a quick ahead. one on Awani because um, the slide did mention Awani's presence in the penalty yes. box. Forrest barely ventured into the penalty box, but our knee still did work in the sense that he, in particular, engaged Thiago Silva and he constantly won fouls off the old geezer. So um, I think that's a potential weakness if people want to attack Chelsea, taking advantage of individual duels against Thiago Silva. Um, so that's yeah. a potential chink in the armor. That's about it. Gabe, just give you these numbers and I'm going to let you go. Forrest, seven shots. Two big chances, 1.07 xG. Chelsea, 21 shots. Three big chances, 1.44. Again, lots so of I, really poor, you know, lots of very lots of chances, but nothing of it. You know, I suppose three big chances, but yeah, lots of other bits. So I'm I'm, look, I'm looking on FootMob, and it said Chelsea had an xG of 2.3 in this match. Well, it's different okay. to what I'm seeing on hook, there, but there we go. But it doesn't, doesn't really matter. matter. Details. Forget about the details. Yeah. Here, here's here's the kicker. XG of 2.3. Post-shot XG, 0. 0.17. <laughs> 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 so so, so basically, they had a team of previous... They had a team of past Darwin Nunes's. <laughs> or the Darwin it's Nunes like, of old. It's like they're all the love ch children of Darwin Nunez and Nico Jackson, all in one team. <laughs> so bad, so bad, that and so so yeah, you know. Bloody um, awful. I don't know, but 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 I have to say that the one that surprises me is Chilwell, missing these chances when he's he's normally been been quite a, a decent finisher, especially for a defender. I mean, you I, you expect that from Jackson. 
you've seen him at Villarreal, you expect that from Sterling if you've seen him anywhere. You expect that from from all all these players, but but Chilwell, um, that's the one that I would have patience with. The the rest, they are who they are. I think. Yeah, Jackson's going for me. I think I'm going to get rid of him. I've I've seen enough. Um, but yeah, uh, okay. Let's go on to the next one, which <laughs> I'm going to have a laugh at this one as well, and and at the expense of Mr. Lenz, because Gabe. Little birdie told me that at one stage you had your triple captain fired on Haaland. Basically, you had, with the fixture difficulty, it really liked them, 3.7 and 3.9. The the net XG liked them as well. And then, Gabe, I'm going to come to you first here. You heard some news, didn't you? Tell us what the news was and tell us why you had your triple captain basically activated. I believe that news that you were the little birdie in this case, bringing bringing me the news that that oh. Paninha was not going to Bayern Munich, Mariner. So I, I, I think I think you finally enacted your your revenge for the rains in the desert. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I have. Actually, right you've here. got. Yes, yes I've got. Is, revenge is sweet. Is, is but yes, it's it's a dish you, you, best served cold. I think is maybe yeah. the philosophy for this. Week. I think right, right, we'll have that tomorrow. But no, with all seriousness, right, Polina yeah. was going to Bayern Munich. It fell through at the at the at the you know the eighteenth hour. It fell through. Um, but then what we all assumed is that he was just going to come back and play, and of course he didn't. No, 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 no. no. So that, that I, I never assumed that. Is it, no, that that did that, you not? that, that was you, never going to happen. What was the no, reason because, why you didn't fire it then? <laughs> So no no so there you can't you couldn't assume that because Palinha was in Munich he had gone I suppose yeah yeah true enough he was never going to play so so the reason I was going to fire it was because of the psychological factor of losing the best player on your team and traveling to city and so I thought that Fulham would be like psychologically would be lifted by that news so if if the initial reason was the psychology and that reason is gone just by lo- logic would dictate that I had to bring it back. I, d- I don't, and I don't, honestly, I don't, um, I mean, I, yes, I regret it. I can't say I don't regret it, but, but here's, but it makes sense because, you know, after, after, after ha- uh, halftime, I was feeling really good about that decision. I was like, okay, uh, C- city are not looking good. Um, and I was like, things are kind of like, okay, I, I felt great. And then, and then Holland comes through. So, um, it, it, I didn't really feel too too badly about it, to be honest. But Lucien can bring us in on the updates on the review for this one. Yeah, after, after all the uh, after after the trials and tribulations of Gabe's triple captain, Lucien, tell us about the game. Harland hat trick, Alvarez three returns. Oh, and um, of course, hang on, I cannot say this without gritted teeth. Another goal conceded by Manchester City. Over to you. That's a weird one, isn't it? When a 37-year-old centre-back just scores off a corner. You really don't expect City to concede <laughs> that kind of goal. It's really, really weird. Um, they only concede yeah. when I own one of their defenders. That's the fact. But anyway, there we go. There's two share Chris. Lucy. Yeah. So I think um, the bigger story revolves around whether you need to own Alvarez or Foden or both on top of Haaland. And in this system, finally, with Akanji back in midfield, yeah, it's safe to own all three. It is really safe to own triple Man City attack here because Foden and Alvarez are basically two number 10s. So what you see, right, is 
like City will have maybe two defenders at the back. And then they have like five midfielders or six midfielders all crammed up there. And then they have the front three. It really is just literally a two-five-three. And they're just like the, the reason City look bad or average or plain is because they're just so patient at going sideways. You go for sideways and sideways and sideways. And they just need that small gap between two of Fulham's midfielders. Just eye of the needle in between two midfielders and you just find Foden or Alvarez in dangerous positions. I think the scary thing about City here is that it's not one-way traffic. It's not Foden or Alvarez feeding Haaland. It works in reverse as well. If they find Haaland mm-hmm. outside the City centre-backs, Haaland will return a favour and look for Foden or Alvarez. I think that's the scary bit that makes City's goal output so high. But, I mean, there's no point talking about all their complex um passing and whatever networks you can see. More on Fulham's weaknesses where, you know, without Palinia, it's still a system issue where for some odd reason they've decided to play Andreas Pereira a lot deeper than they should. So um I don't know if Marco Silva is going to change that system, but he really should. Question here from Colm. The biggest story, Lucian, is how in God's name did Ake's goal not get disallowed? Yeah, I have to say, uh, that was a very strange one to me. But, uh, Gabe, I mean, City just keep conceding, don't they? Drives me bloody mad. (laughs) Um, I mean, they started the season with three straight clean sheets, right? Yeah, then I brought one in. But... So, and that, so, so they've only conceded once. <laughs> I don't know, but they well, keep conceding. Well, end of last season. Well, end of but, last season. I remember I owned them last season as well. I think it's, again, just my feelings with it all. But thanks for putting me right on that one. Uh, but anyway, again, he came but, but, but out I think, to but I think Lucian, it, 5-1. Lucian, Lucian, Lucian brings up a good point that, that the, the triple, if the triple attack is viable, you go triple, you go triple attack. I'd have to sell my defender to go to. I could go to. I could do it. I could, I've got Foden already, so I could do it if I wanted to. I'll have a think about that one. It makes an in, makes for an interesting perspective going forwards. Uh, let's keep going. Brighton against Newcastle. Well, there we go. Brighton fresh from a smashing by David Moyes <laughs> came roaring back. I think is a fair way of putting it. Well, Ferguson did again. Uh, albeit first one from a goalkeeping mistake. Um, and then Callum Wilson comes off the bench and scores again. Alexander Isak, my God. He had, he just missed chances and he got into good places and missed chances galore. He doesn't feel full of form to me, uh, Lucian. Um, Brighton fixed ability rate was really favourable at 3.1. It came to pass. End of the day with this one. Well, Chris, I think you've really summed up my takeaways from me. <laughs> um, Isak, yes, did have individual chances, and it was just such a shame that Wilson took them instead. Um, we've already <laughs> mentioned before <laughs> that, you know, taking on their centre-backs is really the key to beating Brighton, you know? Just take them on 1v1, and Callum Wilson just does that so well, you know, compared to Isak. Um, I think the other thing about uh, Brighton is that we underestimated Joe Veltman uh, as a right-back, at least compared to James Milner, uh, he yeah, showed up. And the other thing about Mitoma is that we also assumed that he would stick on the flank and press Trippier, right? Um, that did not happen. Mitoma actually came infield 
quite often to link up with Ferguson. And that really is what I feel is the Ferguson effect, at least compared to Welbeck, Joel Pedro, and whoever they play up as the number nine. Um, yeah, this, this really is somehow a game full of really good goals by Ferguson because none of them were, you know, fox-in-the-box striker type of goals. Yeah, all of them were like from outside, absolutely smashed it. And um, I think the bigger, you know, if you zoom out a little bit, the biggest issue with Newcastle is that they did not get to use any of their strengths. You didn't see the left-wing feature. You didn't see their central midfielders take over. You had one Joel Linton shot, and that was about it. That was a strange thing about Newcastle. And when Newcastle on the are on the back foot, you don't know. You genuinely do not know who they'll rely on. That's a real concern for Newcastle right now. Because once you get past their midfield, you have all the time in the world. Like Ferguson's second goal, right? When he received the ball in between the lines, the Newcastle defense just backed off. And it Ferguson did. had so much time to shoot. Yeah, that, that was really genuinely scary from an Eddie Howe perspective. But that that's yeah, yeah that's where we are right now. Only two big chances, Gabe, interesting enough. And we thought there'd be more big chances in this game. And certainly the uh, the metrics all suggested that. They suggested a lot more shots as well for Brighton. Didn't get that either. Um, only 1.36 XG for Brighton. Only 0.73 for Newcastle. That suggests how bad they were or possibly how good a job Brighton did on them. Did you watch this game? You mute. Mute. Mute, mute, mute. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I did see this game, and and yeah, Felt, Feltman does definitely change things for for Brighton. I mean, having having Milner back there was a was an obvious weakness, and, and Feltman's just better, even if he if he isn't great. You know, it would have been a concern for not owning Rashford if if Milner was going to start at that right back in for game week five. Um, but in this one specifically, and I've been saying this for a few weeks, and. I, I think Anthony Gordon has been one of the best players for Newcastle this season, which I understand that that's why Eddie Howe has kept him on the left-hand side. But by contrast, Miguel Almiron has been one of the worst players for Newcastle this season, and he keeps starting on the right-hand side. And 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 so having their traditionally creative right-hand side be hampered by by Almiron is, I think, is a big deal for Newcastle. And the way to fix it is is. Play don't don't play don't play um, Almiron inverted. Play him on the or sorry don't play Gordon inverted. Play him on the right hand side. Gordon can also send really nice crosses in. So you have Trippier and Gordon on that right side, and get Harvey Barnes in on the left hand side for for the penetration. Um, <laughs> do, do you need to have a sit down? You mean you're actually advocating Harvey Barnes on net that hole? This right, ta- Lucian. You know, you said you were going to do some snips of these shows. You need to, you need to find that one. It's about thirty-nine minutes <laughs> because that is historic. Gabe talking up Harvey Barnes on a, a, you, you're, Do you know what, Gabe? I, I, do, I mean this really seriously. You're absolutely right. It's so <laughs> obvious you needed Harvey Barnes yeah. on that pitch. It was so obvious. You know, it was. I'm very impressed with them, I have to say. And Newcastle, they've never been, you know, just recently away from home. They have, they are a lot more, uh, you know, muted. And I mean, our fixture difficulty did say 0. 0.6, you know. Didn't like them. Didn't like them. And your yeah. next year had, what, 1.2. So I suppose it, it, it fancied them for something. But, and they got something. 
but yeah, yeah. And, and imagine like like Har- harvey barnes like on you know he he does he can do similar things that gordon's doing and by by making that inverted run can open up that left wing for joelinton as, as well um they'll, they'll just be a lot more much more balanced attack i think with that so We'll see going forward. I still believe in this Newcastle team. I think they have great players, and I, I think how might just be a little slow in, in adapting right now, but fair enough. Uh, and I'll also go as far as saying that if you're looking at the longer term, Newcastle are pretty much top of everything when it comes to fixtures. Mm-hmm. Everything's turning in their favour, so we don't discount them. I'm very happy. In a sense, I'm very happy to own Trippier. I'm not so happy owning Isak. I'm starting to worry whether he's going to get bloody benched, you know. I, I just got that funny feeling. I don't know why. Um, because he just doesn't seem in form for me. But I suppose that's for tomorrow because we'll talk about the future tomorrow I'm, rather I'm than so, I'm so glad I brought Isak in instead of Alvarez. Yeah, me too. Delighted. <laughs> but then at least I can at least sell Jackson. <laughs> you really yeah, you sell brought him. both in. <laughs> Yeah, I brought both. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Anyway, here we go. Crystal Palace against Wolves, chaps. Oh, by the way, before we get forty-one minutes, I haven't asked for likes yet. So if you um, if you do like this mirth and the you know the fact that all we do is take the mick out of each other about how bad a game week we had, then do hit hit like. If you really like what you're seeing on with Lucian and the brains here, but the brains below me. Uh, from the point of view of the screen of Gabe and Lucy, and then, of course, we're here every week doing this review show, and it's under an hour. It will definitely be under an hour because we're trying to make this as bite-sized as possible. This one would, guys, have been last on Match of the Day from my predictions. Um, I really expected a low score. I I quite expected a low scorer. Um, 3-2. Edouard, two goals. Eze, finally, anyone who's an owner of Eze, finally got a return out of him. It's took long enough. But, yeah, um, Edward, 48% involvement and three returns predicted in the next five. Another cheapy, cheapy option sat there. If he keeps getting minutes, who knows? Uh, Mateta, two returns, and Neto, Neto, that whole two returns, Lucian. Um Three two. What did you see, what did you see from this one? Because I'll be honest, I didn't watch it. I mean, who would, right? <laughs> I was, I was, I, <laughs> you would, Lucian. Me, me you would. Yeah, yeah, me as I. You know, I, I was, I was the only one like screaming, "Huang he Chan!" Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely <laughs> screaming his name from yeah, from my lungs. Um, yeah, I mean, we expected a game of poor finishing. And we did not get poor finishing. <laughs> um, but we did get the usual suspects of um, Saha making saves. Again, once again, due to Wolves' mistakes. So that's going to be a theme of the coming game weeks when Wolves' fixtures are still bad. Um, but yes, Pedro Neto. Uh, we need to talk about him a little bit because under previous management, he was, sorry, <laughs> in previous game weeks, he was played on the right side and now he's been shifted off to the left now that Matthias Nunes has gone. So his output from an assisting perspective is much, much higher because a left footer on the left flank is like, it basically means like a barrage of crosses coming in. And I do believe that when Sasha Kalajic comes back in um, as an aerial threat, Neto's left foot outswingers will definitely provide a lot more assists compared to, say, finding Fabio Silva in the box. Um, 
Yes, Crystal Palace though are the more interesting side because have they got good fixtures remaining? I think they're about to start their good run as well, right? So, um, um, not sure actually. You keep going. Um, but yeah, for for as they, I think the issue here is that. Um, yes, Edward is the number nine, but when crosses come in, like for example, when uh, Jordan Ayu, the actual hero of the side, Jordan Ayu, when he has the ball on the right flank, right? Um, Eze is the one making the run into the box as the number nine. So he will be watched by the two Wolves centre-backs. And that's probably the biggest issue here. Eze needs space. He has to start with the ball from outside himself, dribble into the box. And that's how he got his big chances against uh, Sheffield United. That's how he got some of his big chances against Arsenal. He cannot be at the receiving end of a cross. He has to bring the ball in himself and make his own chances. That's probably the biggest issue here. I mean, granted, that finish was great. But that's what happens when you have a match between two sides below average in the league. You're just down to moments. And if you take advantage of those moments, you get goals. Simple as that. Yeah, 16 shots by Palace, 14 inside the box. Three big chances, 2.74 XG. <laughs> wolves, wolves are going to concede chances. That's a fact. Um, so that's that's very odd, particularly away from home. Now, at home, I think Wolves are maybe a slightly different beast. Um, but away from home, Wolves look, like you say, if they're going to make mistakes. Um I've just looked at the Palace fixtures going forwards. I don't really see them turning until after about game week nine, if I'm honest, from my fixtivity. So you probably sit and watch for a bit longer. Um, Gabe, um, have you got any love for Palace? Or have you got Onieze? Are you still Onieze and that's it? I mean... Mute, mute. Yeah, you're honestly, there. You're yeah. I'm good, right? I don't think yeah, I'm you're good. Um, <laughs> I, 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 honestly, I, I, yeah, I think, I think Godson Edward is a, is, is a fantastic option. Um, I think probably one one of the one of the better um, budget forwards. I mean, there there are others popping like like you know if people are going to consider one of the double game weakers, but but I think um, I think moving forward, it's it's that interplay between uh, Eza and and Edward. What when the when the fixtures do change, I think as you know Eza will be relied on it, and they play against teams maybe that play deeper. Um, then then we start looking at Eza. Um, but once once those fixtures do change, I, th I think as it will be in our thoughts. In the meantime, I, I think I even prefer Edward. Yeah, I mean, he's like I say, he's, uh, Edward's. Uh, I think actual involvement is sixty percent. Expected was forty eight. Um, but the thing is, it's only five point one two expected going forward. So it's it's again one of those ones where you maybe consider you don't need to force this. In, in my view, but interesting options. I think we're starting to see a little bit more, um, some interesting options coming out. All right, two more fixtures to go, guys. Uh, Liverpool against Aston Villa. I commented uh, off air at the start to Gabe, I think before Lucid arrived, just how bad I thought Aston Villa were. I thought they were absolutely awful. Uh, I, at the same time, um, Liverpool huffed and puffed didn't they, for a while, uh, but eventually won convincingly. And again, Darwin Nunes, two assists this time, Gabe. That's two, two, two holes in two weeks. You know, we like holes in net, that hole. Do you like Darwin Nunes, Gabe? We never said he couldn't pass. <laughs> <laughs> I 
the first assist wasn't a no, pass, but... by the way. <laughs> it wasn't, was it? See, that's how long ago. No, it was, it was a shot against the upright that led to the many kick against the post. That's so right. Otherwise, he missed. <laughs> he missed. <laughs> yeah, he missed it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey. Look, if if Darwin Nunez misses are now leading to assists, and <laughs> no, I mean I, I think I think Darwin's recent success um, will have him in Klopp's thinking, and and they should have him in our thinking as well. Like, um, it's still obviously like wait and see, let's see what happens, and and if he, but if he starts getting some significant time, and Liverpool's fixtures change. Um, I, I, I don't mind. I don't mind a, a Nunez punt if things continue in this direction for sure. Yeah, I mean, Lucian, bringing you in, uh, my fixtivity really loved Liverpool, and it was not a million miles out. Five is probably three goals, probably almost is where I would normally throw that. Um, equally, thought Aston Villa might get maybe get something. What's your view on this one? I I thought Liverpool, to be honest, made Aston Villa look very ordinary. Well, I or, think... or did they just? Or shall I shall I caveat that? Or were just Aston Villa very ordinary? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, this is difficult, isn't it? Because I mean, so so, uh, I think we have to realize that we are starting to see a new batch of teams challenge the traditional top six. Right? You've got Brighton, Newcastle, and now Aston Villa, all capable of giving the top six a a good run for their money. So, I mean. I think with these sides, such as Brighton, Newcastle, and Villa, they will come up with novel ideas. And we just have to accept that there will be that one game that they will mess up. <laughs> so Brighton has already had their snafu. Uh, Newcastle are still sorting themselves out. And Villa, I think, leaned in a little bit too much into the 3-5-2 that worked so well against Everton, thinking they could pull off the same thing against Liverpool. And they just got bit. They just got absolutely bit. And they did not see the Trent Alexander-Arnold at centre-back coming because they really tried to put Manny Cash all the way up. Oh, no, sorry. They tried to put John McGinn all the way up the left side targeting TAA. But TAA was basically swapping positions with Joao Matip on the ball. So there was, I mean, if, if Trent is centre-back, there's virtually no way to press him off the ball. And a lot of Liverpool's chances were basically one long ball off the top finding Salah and, you know, Mohamed Salah is just doing his thing. Um, by the way, the second Darwin Nunes assist came off a corner. So I don't know if he actually can pass as well. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to focus on the slides. I'm going to focus on the slides. Watkins behind Trent. Um, yes, that did sort of happen, but on the counter-attack rather than when Aston Villa had the ball. So... McGinn on the left, yes, once again. Uh, but still, the bigger picture here is that Villa did not dominate Liverpool as hard as what Newcastle did. So I think Villa tried to be a little more, a little bit more aggressive, like what Newcastle did, and they just failed to copy Newcastle's plan. Uh, as simple as that. Yeah, uh, I think summed it up fairly well. I mean, as a, as I say, Gabe, it was it just struck me that I mean Liverpool five big chances, four headers, four headed chances as well, two point three two xg. Uh, Aston Villa. No big chances. 0.63. I think job done by Liverpool defence. I'll never criticise them ever again. Well, I will tomorrow. Anyway. Um, because we're live in 24 hours and 9 minutes and 10 seconds. There we go. 
Why, because we're going to be late? No, that's going to be exactly (laughs) 9 o'clock. No, actually, we will be late because Nima's back. No, it's it's 24 hours exactly from now. Is it? Oh, crikey. Oh, sorry, I'm looking at this time. I'm thinking where we are. We will be late because it's Nima. Um, Yeah, it's all right. Don't worry. I I was expecting we'd gone live at exactly 8 o'clock. Let's finish with Aston Villa as Aston. Good God. Arsenal against Manchester United. I watched this one on a plane. Um... Yes. What can I say about this one, chaps? First things first, numbers-wise, liked Arsenal. Three and a half attack, fixed difficulty, uh, against 0.7 for Manchester United. Um, it thought it quite like big chances, it liked shots in the box for Arsenal as well. As well. Your NetXG gave 1.79, liked them as well, again, but did fancy Manchester United for a goal. And hey, presto, they got one. And it was Marcus Rashford on the break, uh, Lucien. Um to be very quickly nullified by Odegaard. Then, of course, Declan Rice and the, the piece de resistance, the Gabriel Jesus goal at the end, was was it Shah who's still sliding somewhere across the pitch now? Have you seen the memes of him just constantly <laughs> continuing to slide off the pitch? They're absolutely hilarious. If, you, if you've not seen them, go and find them. But yes, I think in the end, Arsenal did a job on Manchester United, but... And, and do you know what? What did we all say, Gabe? What's name? It will be a high-scoring game. <laughs> I was right. I knew it would be. What are you feeling it would be? There we go. Lucian, stop, stop me blowing hot air out my own predictions. Put, put us right on this, uh, on this one. You know, I, I really cannot stand these uh, Manchester United kits because you can barely see the red stripe on their kits, right? When they're away from home, and you're right, they look like they look like Newcastle. They genuinely look like Newcastle, but closer to a closer to the shade of the pitch, you know. So what's wrong with black and white stripes? What's what's wrong with black black and white? Like Man United look like black and white, but not black and white. They're like green, dark green and white. So they they (laughs) blend in with the shadow of the pitch. You know, when, when the shadow comes over them and the whole pitch turns dark green, you cannot spot Johnny Evans. And they genuinely just, just look like Newcastle. Well, United. I think that was the fact, though. Was he there anyway? I'm not sure he was there anyway, was he? The same as, same as Maguire. But is that is that your excuse? Are you now going to say you didn't really watch this game because you couldn't spot anyone? or you know, or... <laughs> It's just blur, you know, blur of white. And all I see is Arsenal <laughs> with the ball. Yeah. I think uh, this game exposed Ben White as a right back. I mean, I think... No matter how many times you watch that Marcus Rashford goal, you know that there is just this disturbing thing about Ben White's positioning, right? Like, you're up against Marcus Rashford. You're trying to show him inside or outside, right? Like, you know that Marcus Rashford is a right footer. So, you're supposed to be showing Marcus Rashford down the outside. And yet, Ben White, like, tries to bait Marcus Rashford inside. And so Marcus Rashford does go inside and Ben White's just late to everything. Ben White is just late to everything. So I think there will be a little bit of a mini crisis. I think the sooner they integrate Tomiyasu into right back, things will get a lot better and a lot more incisive. But as of now, at least we know for a fact that Nketiah can actually play the Gabriel Jesus role. I think Jesus himself doesn't have to come in as the number nine straight away. But when he did, of course, yeah, Jesus did magical things. Um, the biggest concern for me was actually Kai Havertz because um, did you guys remember the incident where Kai Havertz was supposed to win a penalty and the ref gave it? 
right? That that half space run, that left half space run, again, is something that we all expected Kai Harvards to do. And once again, the problem here is that, you know, you buy big players for big moments and Arsenal versus Man United is a big moment game. And yet, Kai Harvards never looked like he was going to win that penalty despite falling over. I think that was a sad thing. Um, but beyond that, as you said, you know, Declan Rice, Manmark, Bruno Fernandes out of the game, and tactically, there was nothing else that United had left besides a Christian Eriksen interception that led to that Rashford goal. So that's about it. Uh, okay, Gabe, you've got 30 seconds to respond on this one because uh, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get us out of here on an hour. Yeah, no, I, I don't have much to add. I think that was a the pretty complete uh, assessment. Um, and I think we'll, we'll talk about Manchester United more, uh, I think, on tomorrow's show in the matchups. Perfect, perfect. So we're not going to take any questions tonight. Nobody's asking them anyway, which is good. I think they all know that we're not going to take any. So, okay, uh, let's do the last bit. Let's get us out of here. So the mini league's still open, HUP69D. There's also a mini league for the Patreons and for the YouTube haulers. I'm going to, um, I will shout them tonight because I've got time. Um, we'll do that in a second. So, you know, if you fancy uh, coming across to us and becoming a hauler, please do. All the stats are in there. In fact, I pushed them all in there yesterday. Gabe's NetXG is in there. The captain symmetric's already in there as well. Uh, for tomorrow uh, in advance for everybody who is a hauler. Um, so come and join us and netto that haul. Well, that's my team name, by the way. Um, thank yous. Super haulers. Thingamabob, David Harrison, FPL name, Zach, Haberboy, Daddybot, Greenback Golf, FPL Robbie, uh, Danish Rewani, uh, Matthias Kang- Kangashaka. Crikey. Uh, Leon, Son of Sam, and Temi Tope. Uh, haulers. Ever present, Dread, FPL, FPL Craig, Podber, Kevin Rose, FPL Saffer, Connor Hunt, Doni, Oscar Arias, FPL Teacher, thank you, uh, Lucian, as always, Blonde, S. Scott as M, William, Tongo, such Raj, Lindsay O, FPL DG Boy, Akshay, Dom, Claire, FPL, Catherine A, Sal the Samurai, Harry Not Kane, Neil, Sebastian Koo, Benjamin Lockwood, FPL Rubber Ducky, Neil's Apples, Nick Khan, Big Mike, FPL Discomfort, General Zod, Gladys State Preachers, uh, Jack M, FPL Planet, FPL Bondos, Jamie Baker, Brett M, and Pai Hong Tan. And Patreons, Elrond, Lucy and Gan, again, thank you, Lucy, twice, FPL California, Thingamabob, Ron Frost, and Mike Bourne. I'm getting faster and faster at that, boys. That doesn't take me very long at all, does it? And we're finished. Less than an hour. In fact, you know what? I'm gonna, we've got, we can nicely relax on the way out of here. Gents, thank you very much. Thanks for trying to remember what happened in game week four. It seems such a long time ago. I had to watch highlights earlier on on YouTube to try and remember what happened. I'll, I'll be I'll be watching highlights today, but I, the, Lucian's reviews are just like invaluable. So uh, that's get, getting us going for, for matchups tomorrow. Do join us. Uh, we'll be working on those today. Um, yeah. Good yeah, show. We'll be back tomorrow. Lucian, thank you as always. And uh, thanks for uh, battling through. I think you're the only person in the history of Net That Hall to have done the show from about five rooms at once. Tell, tell me about it. <laughs> tell me about it. Like also, also I think the... the... I, th- I think the first birthday birthday person on, on the show as well. So several firsts on this one. No balloons here. No balloons Absolutely. Brilliant job. Anyway, gentlemen, it's time to go. We'll see you tomorrow, Gabe. Uh, Lucian, thank you very much as always. See you soon. And uh, yeah, all the best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.